Welcome to the Nourished with PCOS podcast. I'm your host, Sam Abbott, registered dietitian nutritionist and PCOS nutrition expert. I'm here to help you learn how to manage PCOS and support your hormones while also having a healthy relationship with food in your body. You can improve PCOS symptoms and labs without dieting. Get ready to feel better with PCOS and leave diet culture in the rearview mirror. Welcome to the Nourish with PCOS podcast. I am your host, Sam Abbott, registered dietitian, and I'm so thankful and grateful that you are tuning in today. Well, today's episode is really special because I had the opportunity of chatting with my colleague, fellow registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor, Bonnie Roney, and we chatted all things intuitive eating. Um, If you're not familiar with intuitive eating, it is a self-care framework to help you find peace and balance mentally, physically, and emotionally with food. And I use the intuitive eating framework in all of my services and programs. So Bonnie and I sit down and we really break down all things intuitive eating, especially as it relates to having a medical condition. We also address some misconceptions about intuitive eating. And we chat about the big question, can I lose weight if I am eating intuitively? So I hope that you enjoy this episode. I'm also going to drop all of Bonnie's information in the show notes. Be sure to give her a follow on Instagram. Hi, Bonnie. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me here today, Sam. I'm so excited to chat with you. Me too. I have had the pleasure of being on your podcast and we know each other through body image supervision. So it's awesome to connect. Yes, yes. You've been on my podcast two times. Yeah. So helpful for so many people. And yes, it's also been great getting to know you in body image supervision. Definitely. Okay. Well, why don't we start out by having you share a little bit about yourself and kind of what brought you to being not just a dietitian, but a non-diet or anti-diet dietitian? Sure. So I'm a registered dietitian, a certified intuitive eating counselor. I, in my personal life, I'm married. I have a dog. I have a baby on the way. I have recently started to get into disc golf. So I like to spend some. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. My husband is really good at it and all of his friends play all the time. So us wives just started to get into it. So I wouldn't say that I'm really good or going to be a pro or anything like that, but it's a fun way to get out of the house and move without like having something that feels daunting or is like super high intensity. So it's fun. I like it. So that's what I do in my personal life. And then professionally, yeah, I've been a dietitian for wow. Uh, wow. Going on no, six years, seven years. It's been a while. And then a certified intuitive eating counselor. I got my certification, I think two years ago. And I really feel like the reason why I got into this has changed over the years. Like initially I wanted to do this work and help people have a healthy relationship with food because of my struggles that I used to face, you know, just like so many other people when I was really young in my early teens, maybe even before that, I just started to become more aware of my body. I felt a lot of cultural pressures, pressures from some people in my family, and I just became unhappy with my body. So I decided I wanted to do something about it. And that's really what 
started a lot of my struggles with food and body at a very young age that lasted really into early adulthood. I have a couple of women in my family who also really struggled with their relationships with food. My grandma and my aunt, they both had really serious eating disorders. So I saw that just growing up as a child and really seeing them go through that the whole time I knew them. And it was really difficult just to watch their struggles, but also see how much it worried other family members and my mom. So those are really the big reasons why I got into it. My personal struggles, people in my family. But then after I started doing this work and after I've been working with so many clients over the years, I feel like my why has kind of transformed because now I'm seeing just how big of a problem this is in our world and our culture, how many people are affected, all the clients I've worked with, I've just seen so much hurt in them, how much they've had to work through. Their stories are so inspiring when I watch them heal, but really just me seeing how big this problem is in our world, my why has shifted towards that. I love that so much. Yeah. And it is a huge problem. It I think that when we talk about diet culture, we think about fad diets or these supplement companies or things like that. But the topics of weight stigma and weight discrimination like that bleeds over into so many areas of life. Right. And naive me as a young dietitian, I wasn't really aware of that because we don't really learn that in school. You know, I was just thinking like family pressures and like looking at Victoria's Secret models and being like, I want to look like them. Like those were the issues that I was seeing. But after doing this work and seeing that it's not just our culture, like it's healthcare. I mean, I guess it's the culture and healthcare, but it's weight stigma. It's how people are treated in the doctor's offices. It's anti-fat bias. It's so much. And it's a little overwhelming when you think about it. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, I, you know, find happiness and peace and knowing that there's professionals like us and so many clients that we work with who are changing the narrative here and working to better themselves, which ultimately I think betters our community and people around us. Mm -hmm, Totally. Yeah. And this is something this is I've really grown to respect you as a colleague because I think in the intuitive eating space, especially in dietetics, there are a lot of thin white dietitians and a lot of their work is centered around helping people with body insecurities who are also thin. And this topic transcends to all bodies and it's much, there's so much of a social justice overlap that I feel like sometimes is missing in the intuitive eating conversation. Mm, I feel like that too. And I have so many pet peeves when I think about some people I feel like you could be referring to, like the thin privileged body image posts where it's like a side by side of someone in a straight body standing up straight and then like leaning forward and pinching like (laughs) their stomach that it just, you know, your skin just folds when you lean forward. It's just what happens to all of us. It's like, okay, that's, That's really not helpful for a lot of people. Right, right. And I think when you're in a straight size body that is seen to be quote unquote socially acceptable, it's really hard to understand some of the experiences and pains of people who are larger bodied until you really get that supervision and training to really understand that having an insecurity about your fat roll when you lean over is not the same as being denied medical care because of your body size. 
Yeah, I agree. I think that that social justice piece and understanding of how this impacts everyone is it's not something universal that a lot of people in this space have, but I know we've been getting supervision training from Bree and, you know, some other professionals that help with this. And I think it's so enlightening. And I feel, I almost feel like it should be a requirement for everyone who works in this space or even like a continued requirement. I know you and I both have been getting supervision training with Bree. I don't even know how long. And it's probably something that you know, at least from her for someone else, like I'm never going to stop getting supervision training from people who have different lived experiences than I do, because otherwise I'm just really limiting how much I think I can help other people by staying pigeonholed in my own experiences that are not what so many other people and many of the clients we work with have dealt with in their lives. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. And I do want to be clear for anyone listening any sort of body insecurity, that pain and your personal experiences are valid. We're just saying that from a professional standpoint, you know, for me being a non-diet PCOS dietitian, I'm helping clients work through medical experiences where they're told like, you don't need labs, you just need to lose weight, like losing weight will help your PCOS. So, um, there are a lot of different issues that come up when we talk about body image and intuitive eating and things like that. Yeah, I think that's so important because we definitely don't, you know, I wouldn't want anyone to feel like their struggles are not real because of the size of their body. And, you know, I I do live in a straight size body and I can say that I've had some real body image issues in my life, but at the same time, I'm not getting like oppressive care or anything at the doctor's office. So yes, body image struggles, but different than a lot of other people's. Yeah, definitely. Well, we talked, you mentioned intuitive eating and the certification. Before we jump into talking about what intuitive eating is, can you just share a little bit about the certification process for people who aren't familiar with that? Yeah. So this is, it's like a whole other training that you go through if you're a health professional. I don't remember what exact health professional you have to be to get certified and to become a certified intuitive eating counselor. I know they also have an intuitive eating coach. I know you have to be a dietitian to be a counselor, but maybe there are some other health professions that can become a counselor too. But it's a whole additional training that you go through. You do it on your own accord. So a lot of dietitians like myself, when we went through school, we were not trained in this. And so we kind of had to seek this out ourselves. And intuitive eating, it's a framework that was developed by two dietitians. So they lead this whole training and you really just learn the ins and outs of intuitive eating. And it takes a while to go through the training. I mean, you have to go through like small group supervision, you have to go through group coaching sessions, you have to take a quiz, you have to, you have to do a lot of stuff. It took me a while to go through it. And I think it's so important to talk about that. And I know we're going to talk about this probably a little bit later in the podcast too, but I just think so many people think of intuitive eating as something that you just stop dieting and you just magically listen to your body, but there's so much more to it than that. And there are intuitive eating counselors who literally go through training to learn the framework and help people repair their relationship with food and become intuitive eaters. So there's just so much more to it than just like not dieting and magically being able to listen to your body. Yeah. And the training is, it's very extensive. I have not actually taken the exam yet. So I've done the the supervision group. And then when Evelyn led the 
the training sessions, I've been through that too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree with you. It's it's not just like, oh, let's eat cupcakes all day. Let's listen to our hunger and fullness. It's It's a strategic framework that is helping you make peace with food, but can also be health promoting as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found the certification so incredibly helpful. And I don't think that everyone needs to be like an intuitive eating counselor to be able to support you. But I do think it's helpful to, you know, talk to someone who's been through the training or seek support from them. Like even like you, Sam, I know you didn't take the test, but you've been through the training. And it's just good to see that because there are a lot of people out there who are using intuitive eating, not in the way that it was intended for. And if you've been through the training, you would know that like certain aspects of selling intuitive eating are not aligned with the ethics of intuitive eating. Like if you go through the training, you will literally learn to not sell intuitive eating as an intentional weight loss tool, Mm -hmm. for example. But there are so many people out there who are doing that. Yeah, it's really frustrating, like intuitive eating showing before and after photos. That's definitely not not the intention of the framework. Well, let's jump into for anybody listening who is not familiar with intuitive eating, I know we talked a little bit about what it's not, but can you explain what intuitive eating is? Yeah, I feel like I change my definition often when I tell what it is because I just feel like you can say so much about it, but I'm going to try and condense it into a nutshell. So intuitive eating, it's a self-care eating framework and It combines instinct, emotion, and rational thought. It really helps you reinstill trust with your body, take care of yourself without dieting, and eat in a way that feels mentally, physically, and emotionally pleasant to you. There are 10 guiding principles, so we won't go over each and every one of them right now, but there are principles that help you with rejecting dieting. So really just rejecting any type of external rules telling you, what, when, and how much to eat, and then principles to help you get back in touch with your own body cues, what feels good to you, like getting back in touch with hunger cues, fullness cues, satisfaction, and then principles to help you respect your body, incorporate gentle nutrition when it's appropriate and when you feel ready. So all in all, it's a self-care eating framework, and it can help you really just take care of yourself without all of the dieting drama and diet culture out there, which is just so opposite of taking care of yourself. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting that you bring that up because so many people diet or restrict food or have a diet mentality because they feel like it's helping their health. But in reality, a lot of times for a lot of people, it's counterproductive. I know. And it's really unfortunate because I think you're right. Most people who go on diets, they're unfortunately have been led by the wrong belief that it's healthy to just restrict food and that eating like a bird or not enough for your body is good for you. But there's so many negative health implications that can come from that. I mean, we don't have to dive all into it, but there's a lot of stress. I mean, even when we just look at how stress impacts our body, if you're dieting, you can have a lot of mental and emotional stress just from all the rules or feeling like a failure and feeling like it's your fault. You can also have real physical stress from not eating enough food, loss of lean muscle mass. You know, your body perceives that as a real stress. And when we are constantly stressed, which I think a lot of people are from dieting, that increases cortisol. It can increase in inflammatory markers, uh, even maybe play a role in insulin resistance, which I know is something you talk about all the time. And I share this not to scare people, but it's just there's just so much misinformation out there about dieting. And it just It's so unfortunate that so many people pursue it in attempts to 
become healthier, kind of want to put that in quotes, but at the end of the day, it only hurts their health with these examples I gave, making their relationship with food worse, making them feel horrible about themselves, et cetera. But the good news is once you identify that, you can stop blaming yourself and you can start to be mad at the culture around us, the diet industry, and shift from self-blame to just being mad at this diet industry. I completely agree. What are some of the benefits of intuitive eating? There are so many. Oh my gosh. So there's over, I can't remember the exact number, but I know there's over 125 studies right now showing benefits of intuitive eating. So when you just think about your relationship with food, we can see less food-related anxiety, less food-related guilt, less likely to feel out of control with food. When we look at body image, you can see increased like satisfaction with your body, You can see improved levels of self-esteem. When we actually look at like medical data, we see lower cardiovascular risk, improved triglycerides, improved cholesterol, improved blood pressure. So there's so many benefits really that you can find with intuitive eating, less self-silencing behaviors. And what I see with my clients that I find so is just so cool is that when they heal their relationship with food, yes, they have these benefits, but it extends to other areas of their lives. And not to say this is going to happen to everyone, but I just see them becoming a better advocate for themselves. I mean, when you think about it, we eat all the time, right? Whether you have a healthy relationship with food or not, we eat multiple times a day, 365 days a year. We are around food often. The holidays are centered around food, celebrations, hard times, like food is everywhere. So that's a lot of experiences if you have a bad relationship with food, if you're constantly stressed around it, if you constantly dieting, like that is literally every day of your life. And that adds up. So if you are just consumed and controlled by food, it makes sense that it's going to take away from you putting your all and investing like 100% of yourself in other areas of your life that are important to you. So with some clients I've worked with, when they heal their relationship with food, right, it's like all of this freed up mental space, like empowerment to advocate for themselves. And I've had clients change careers, you know, change jobs, break up with boyfriends, like get better partners, just do so much outside of food that positively benefits their life. And I think that's one of the coolest things because When we're stuck struggling with food, it just keeps us small, you could say in a sense, right? And when we heal from that, our lives are just opened up and we have so much more freedom to do other things and just live a more authentic, fulfilling life. That's so powerful. And it kind of reminds me of the phrase diet culture is a life stealer or steals from your life because it's so true. Yeah, it's so true. I agree. Yeah. And I think, you know, thinking that intuitive eating is a self-care framework, it makes sense. Everything that you said, when you learn how to take care of yourself when it comes to nutrition and wellness, Mm -hmm. that's going to transcend into other areas too. Yeah. And it's really cool to see the benefits. And I think that's overlooked a lot. You know, people think that intuitive eating is just like a fun free for all with food that you're not really caring about your health. Maybe you're letting yourself go. I could keep going on with these examples, but research shows us otherwise that it's very health promoting, you know, intuitive eaters continuously score on an impressive array of health measures like what I shared. So it's really cool to let the research guide you instead of all of the misinformation out there. Yeah. And that kind of leads us into my next question about the misconceptions of intuitive eating. I think you just brought up a really big one that 
it's for people who like feel bad about themselves and feel bad about food, but they have no health concerns or they don't want to pay attention to health anymore. And it's, we actually see it being the opposite. I think, yeah, like I said, I think a lot of people just think intuitive eating is like a free for all with food and that you're totally disregarding your health. And a lot of these misconceptions could also stem from just people defining health in a wrong way. I think so many people believe that what we eat and how we move plays like a 100% role in our health. And it's not to say that those two things aren't important. And as dietitians, I'm sure we can say like, yes, nutrition is important. I love talking about nutrition, but it's not the end all be all to health. So when you really look at how a poor relationship with food negatively impacts other aspects of your life, and you can see the social determinants of health, everything that impacts our health, considering adverse childhood experiences, like there are literally so many things that play a role in our health. Then I think that also allows you to look at intuitive eating differently because it's not just food. It's not just movement that impacts our health. It's all of these other things. But even with that being said, framework of intuitive eating does help you pursue health promoting behaviors and free yourself from unhealthy habits that maybe you were engaging in before with dieting. And then back to what I was saying earlier about people thinking that it's just a free for all with food. I think that's because when you go on Instagram and social media, you see like donuts and Coke and French fries and <laughs> These are all really delicious foods, right? That so many people love to eat. And I do believe that if people had a better relationship with these foods, their overall relationship with food would be better. So a lot of times these are the foods we need to focus on, but that's not all of what intuitive eating is. Like everyone wants to hyper-focus on that unconditional permission to eat piece, but there's so much more to it. Making peace with food is one of 10 principles of intuitive eating. So we're learning to make peace with food while also getting in touch with our body cues like hunger and fullness while also amping up our satisfaction while also respecting our body and rejecting dieting and challenging the food police. So there are so many pieces that come into play here. And when they all work together, then your relationship with food becomes very positive. If you are going into this and only thinking about unconditional permission to eat, I could see that being overwhelming and really scary. And sometimes I don't even start there with my clients. I might start them out in another area because it's just too much. It's too daunting for them to think about like having freedom to eat everything when these foods are so terrifying or even distressing to them. So I really feel like that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions that I see with intuitive eating. Yeah, I see that as well. And it's the same thing with my clients with PCOS and insulin resistance. You know, nutrition and carbohydrates do play a role in insulin resistance. So when you start out and the focus is like, yes, just eat everything that you want whenever you want. We don't have to think about pairing foods or anything at all. Someone with insulin resistance is probably going to not feel that great. And then it can be really confusing. So I think that's where it's really beneficial mm -hmm. to work with a professional who can kind of help you make your way through the steps in whatever way is appropriate for you. And I was just going to say some people might have to jump to that like gentle nutrition piece a little bit sooner. And there's nothing wrong with that either. I just think that finding the right professional to guide you is helpful, which I know you talk about this all the time in the PCOS space, but there really is so much misinformation when it comes to some health conditions like PCOS. And so it's just so helpful to 
get that information from like an accurate source who's aligned with intuitive eating and health at every size. Yeah. And I think another misconception about intuitive eating is that it cannot be applied to any health conditions. Whereas Mm -hmm. I look at intuitive eating is it's allowing you to get to know yourself and your body and what you truly need. And that can be applied to any medical condition. I mean, if you are intolerant or allergic to a food and you are avoiding that food for that reason, that is intuitive eating. You know, if you're making, a lot of it is about the intention behind that food decision. But that's another big misconception that I see too. Yeah. And that's why I'm so happy I had you on my podcast, Sam, because we talked all about how you can manage PCOS and medical conditions and be an intuitive eater. And I can say this from my own personal experience, I have IBS. So you know, intuitive eating looks different for me than it does for some other people, but it doesn't mean that I can't be an intuitive eater. So, so many people ask me about that. And I've worked with some other clients in my program who were concerned about that as well. And I think what I've noticed as a a big piece that I feel is really important to talk about is just the fact that it's okay to be sad, that intuitive eating looks different for you, or that maybe you have to be more cognizant of some food choices. And I think it's really okay to be sad and grieve that. Like if I could choose to not have IBS, of course I would choose that (laughs) without a doubt, but I can't. So this is my life and it's my reality and I'm sad about it and it sucks and it's okay to be upset. So I've worked with so many clients who, you know, maybe had a GI concern or other medical condition. And they, when I bring that up, they're like, I never gave myself permission to like be upset about it. And I am like, I'm really sad that I can't just go and freely eat all the time and not have to worry about this or that I have to, you know, be a little bit more cognizant of pairing some of my foods than other people. So it's okay to be upset about that. I really love that you pointed that out because I think with a medical condition or really a lot of things in life, having I think that it's it's hard to have that acceptance if you don't go through the grieving process. And mm-hmm. I was actually talking about this in my Instagram stories today too, that it's okay to grieve and be sad and have that acceptance and focus on what you can do here and now. Like all of those things can exist together. Yep, definitely. Because you don't want to say stay stuck and grieving. Yeah. <laughs> That's not fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> So you can be sad about it, but also be super excited and pumped to have a healthy relationship with food and be an intuitive eater and not be stuck in like the wellness culture with managing a medical condition because that's just a mess. It's a nightmare out there. Oh, hot mess for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, I, I let's not even go there. It's a mess. But I'm just going to end with that. Well, one of the biggest questions that I get about intuitive eating is, will I lose weight with intuitive eating or can I lose weight with intuitive eating? So I would love to chat with you about that and your thoughts about that question. That's such a good question. And I think I get asked it almost every day. So I think first, it's probably important that I acknowledge my privilege. You know, I'm a white, straight-sized, cisgender woman. So my experiences here are going to be different than other people. And I think sometimes when people hear me talk about this, they're like, you would never understand. I don't want to hear it from you. And that's fine. If you feel that way, there's a lot of other practitioners out there who you might resonate with more. 
But what I always come back to is looking at your lived experience. I think all day we can talk about the research and what aligns with trainings we've been through and our ethics and all of that. But at the end of the day, I really think that our lived experience is the most powerful. And for most of really, you know, all my Mm -hmm. clients I work with, they work with me because dieting has caused them more harm than good, no matter how they look at it. Most of my clients, they were never able to maintain any weight loss long-term. So maybe it worked short-term for them, but you know, over the years they gained it back, if not more. I have worked with a small number of clients who maybe that wasn't their experience, but like their relationship with food is at such a horrible place that they they can't continue dieting. So no matter where my clients have fallen, their lived experience shows them that the pursuit of controlling their body size, it's just not serving them. It's not something they can do anymore. It can be really scary to take steps away from that intentional weight loss But at the end of the day, you really have to look at is continuing to do this, what I've been doing for years that's hurt my relationship with food, that's hurt my health, that hasn't led to anything sustainable. Is that worth it? Or are you going to be better off if you just take some steps, some scary steps and work to heal your relationship with food so you can free yourself from it? There really is no, I don't think there's an easy answer here. And there's just so much to talk about when it comes to this, but ultimately at the end of the day, like intuitive eating is not, it's not an intentional weight loss approach. And so it it does help you heal your relationship with food, repair trust with your body, et cetera, but it's not to be used to lose weight intentionally. And I think that does scare a lot of people, but you really have to look at your lived experience and like, let that guide you. And then there's a lot more to talk about from there, but I think that's a good starting place. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think it's intentional weight loss paradigm or this idea that if you just do X, Y, and Z and you'll lose weight and your life will be perfect, that's a failed paradigm. And I think what's interesting when it comes to dieting and looking at cycles of weight loss and restriction, every client that I have worked with has been able to share with me how that hasn't worked for them and how it's caused them harm. So it's more about giving yourself the space Mm -hmm. to really reflect on that and to trust your own personal experiences. Like when we say trust your body, it's not just like eat when you're hungry. It's really about leaning into what you have experienced has worked for you and what hasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be so powerful to look at your lived experience. And it's just a really cool thing to do. Yeah. And I think it's also important to bring up here that a lot of the things that lead people to have this desire to be smaller, the issue is not with you or your body. The issue is with the systems around us, weight-centric medical care, diet culture, those types of things. It's not your body itself. Mm-hmm. Yep. And again, that's shifting from self-blame and blaming yourself to instead being mad at the culture around us and healthcare and how everything is set up. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate your response too, because you're right. We could delve into the research about weight cycling and how likely are you to keep weight off long-term? We know it's not likely at all, but at the end of the day, you listeners probably already have that experience or a lot of people do. And I think too, talking about autonomy is really important. You know, we can't, we can't make up this decision for anyone with what they want to do. Like you have autonomy over your body to choose what you do with it, the food you eat, 
how you try and micromanage it, et cetera. So that's up to you. Like you get to decide the life that you want to live from here. Do you want to continue on this diet hamster wheel that you've been on for your whole entire life? Or do you want to explore something different and try something new and a different way to take care of yourself? Like you get to choose that. Yeah. And I think we have the perspective of seeing people on the other side after they have given themselves permission to try something different, to focus on caring Mm -hmm. for themselves in all of these different ways. And it's hard as a dietitian not to want that for everyone or not to want to push that on people. But I do agree. (laughs) Anyone listening, like you do have body autonomy. And also as someone in a straight size body, I will never fully understand a lot of the lived experiences of being larger bodied. So my goal as a dietitian and an intuitive eating dietitian is to never change someone's mind about how they want to pursue weight loss or if they want to pursue weight Mm -hmm. loss. But I just want to make sure anyone listening knows like you deserve to have a peaceful relationship with food. Mm -hmm. I can't remember who I saw say it like this, but they were talking about informed consent and how you really cannot give informed consent if you don't understand all of the risks associated with something. So that's how I kind of like to think about this is I want to share the harms of diet culture, like the harms of continuing to go on diets over and over again so that people can then decide truly with all of the information, knowing the risks, knowing what could happen, like what they want to do. So I think that's a cool concept to think of. Yeah, definitely. Like if you were going to take a medication, but you you had a laundry list of all of the harms of it, would you still want to take that medication? Imagine if whenever someone prescribed weight loss, like a doctor, if if it was like one of those commercials where, you know, it's like people look all happy and they're running around with like a medication. And then at the end, it's just like side effects may include diarrhea and vomiting (laughs) and depression and like so many things like what if that was included with every single diet recommendation (laughs) right exactly that's that informed consent and these are things that a lot of people don't even talk about or they're not aware of yeah yeah I love that example (laughs) and the percentage of like how many people are in quote successful I mean, that would be really cool if that was shared with these recommendations. Yeah, like this medication only has like a 4% success rate or something like that. (laughs) That would be awesome. Well, something else that I see a lot in the conversations about intuitive eating are people, I actually see this a lot amongst dietitians. Like I've tried intuitive eating and that did not work for me. I couldn't stop eating or... I'm obsessed with potato chips and I couldn't stop eating potato chips. And that's basically this idea that intuitive eating, quote unquote, doesn't work when people are in a place where they're trying to give themselves unconditional permission to eat and they feel like it's backfiring. What are your thoughts about that? You know, I think there could be so many things going on here. I would love to know, like, what has this person tried? Um, And what I think happens a lot of times is that we have expectations of how intuitive eating should look for us. And then when our reality doesn't meet our expectations, we think we're doing something wrong. Like maybe we expect that our days of eating should look like some intuitive eater online who posts a what I eat in a day video, or that maybe making peace with chips means eating like 
one, what they call as one serving on the bag, which, you know, we could also talk about how that's not really helpful information either for most people. But when you have those expectations, it again pulls you away from listening to what feels good to your body because you're comparing yourself to whatever pedestal or outcome that you had in mind. So what we want to do is maybe like notice these thoughts and notice, okay, I'm thinking that intuitive eating should look this way for me, but here's what my body is actually telling me, right? If I listen to diet culture, it would tell me that eating ice cream most days of the week is something that I shouldn't do. (laughs) I love ice cream. But my reality is I feel perfectly fine when I eat ice cream most days. Like my body feels physically well. It makes me happy. Like that's my reality. The expectation from diet culture is different. The way my body feels is entirely different. So we want to reinstill trust with our bodies. So I think that's one really big thing I think another thing I would add to that would be that this takes time. So if you're thinking that healing your relationship with food should happen in like a week or a month or sometimes even several months, for a lot of people, it's just not enough time. And the progress is not going to be linear. You're going to have some days where you feel like you're taking one step forward and two steps back, and that's going to happen. And it's a very normal part of the process. What we don't want to do is allow these moments to spiral us, right? I think a lot of people get stuck in spirals instead of letting those hard times teach them something or use it as process learning so they can grow. Every eating experience we have is information that we can use for the next time we eat. And I think that's really inspiring to think about. And even me today, like I'm a dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I still have moments where sometimes I'm like, wow, I ate like an amount of food that, and I don't feel very well right now. That's information I can use moving forward. It doesn't mean that I'm a failure or that I did something wrong or that I shouldn't be coaching people with intuitive eating. It just means I'm a regular human being. And this is just what happens to everyone. Thirdly, There's so much I could say here, but I'm going to stop at this last one. I, again, think that people really just think about that unconditional permission to eat piece. That can feel really, really overwhelming. So again, you don't have to start there. Like you can, you can just start with all the foods you feel comfortable with. Like first we need to make sure we're just eating enough, like getting comfortable with that. I always say adequacy comes before variety. I think it's so tempting when you start intuitive eating to want to just bring in all these foods because you're like, yes, I have permission to, it's fine. And if it feels right, great. But if it's like overwhelming you and it's too much and it's going to make you just have a negative mindset about it, it's okay to start slower and just, you know, eat your foods that you're comfortable with. Eat enough of them. Try and get in touch with hunger cues, fullness cues. And then when you're ready, you can start to bring in other foods. And that's why it's so helpful to work with a practitioner here because they can help guide you and break down steps that make sense for you. Because I've had some clients work with me and they were like, I'm just going to eat whatever I want and I'm going to go to the grocery store and literally buy everything. And that was like the best thing they could have ever done for themselves. And then I've had other clients where if they did that, they probably wouldn't have come back to session. It would have been too much. So it's okay to go at your own pace and like your journey is going to look different than someone else's and that's okay. Yeah. Everyone you're an individual, you have your own background, your own relationship with food, your own food fears. And so I I also think there's not a right or wrong way with intuitive eating, like it does look different for everyone. And the example you gave is a perfect example of that. Yeah, so many ways it can look. Yeah, another thing I wanted to circle back around to is when you were saying like this process takes time. 
think about how long people spend dieting and for a lot of people who really struggle with their relationship with food this isn't something that's new it's something you know we can trade we can look at the roots and they go all the way down to childhood so if you think about spending 15 20 30 40 50 years with those thoughts that's a process to start to undo them oh yeah and it, it, it's naturally gonna take time and i think too with intuitive eating just like doing anything new in life it requires a little more effort in the beginning but it gets so much easier over time like just think about anything in your life like a something you've accomplished that you're proud of like learning a new language becoming competent in your career like for me i think of building a business all of these things yes take a lot of energy in the beginning, but over time it gets so much easier. So that's kind of what we're dealing with here with intuitive eating. And, you know, it's going to take longer for some people than others, just depending on their lived experience with lots of different things, with their upbringing, with dieting, with past traumas, so many things. But it's okay for it to take time. And I think with intuitive eating too, because progress is so different than traditional diets, People are so used to measuring progress through a change on the scale or a different clothing size, how well they stick to, you know, a diet protocol. This is totally different that it's like we don't see those changes as easily over time. And when you're in it every day, it's hard to to really see how far you've come. So that's why I always try and do like reflective practices with my clients because they usually are like, wow, I can't believe that I accomplished all this because I've been in it every day and I didn't realize it. So you know, you want to look back, like, where were you three months ago, six months ago, a year ago, two years ago. And for a lot of you, even listening to this podcast, maybe one year ago, you wouldn't have even considered it. Like the idea of learning about intuitive eating and listening to dietitians like Sam and I, like you would have maybe would have never even entertained that, but that's growth. The fact that now you're open to this and you're listening to this. So that's how we see some progress with intuitive eating. We really want to look at it over months and years and it continues to grow and build over time I even think I grow as an intuitive eater now like every year like I feel like I'm learning something new about my body and it's so cool and it's not like I'm having to hyper focus on it every day and be like intentional about it all the time it's just like I don't know little things that happen here and there and now you know I'm going through pregnancy so like I'm experiencing life as an intuitive eater differently so again, learning more about my body and we just can't always control for these things in our lives, but it's just really cool to see growth over time like that. Yeah, it is really, really neat. Well, for anyone listening, I want to talk about like some red flags. We kind of mentioned some of this at the beginning of the episode, but for people who are exploring intuitive eating, I think it can be hard for them to know, you know, where is this coming from in a true authentic background of intuitive eating versus where is this diet culture co-opting intuitive eating? So what are some things to look out for, some red flags, some things that you see and you're immediately like, oh my gosh, this is not intuitive eating? There's a lot of them. I mean, I think the biggest red flag would be someone using it to sell weight loss. So if you're seeing like before and after photos, that's just not what intuitive eating is. I mean, sure, maybe your body can change, but like that's not that's not how people go about and promote intuitive eating. So anything that sells that, I would say that anything maybe selling intuitive eating as like a weight loss tool, like, you know, use this concept of intuitive eating to lose weight. I know I kind of mentioned that earlier, but 
even the other day I was on YouTube mm -hmm. and I was looking up like sensory specific satiety because it's a concept that's talked about in intuitive eating that I think is really cool. But all over YouTube, all I found was sensory specific satiety for weight loss. So it's like when concepts of it for that are taken and used for body control, that's another form of restriction. And that's really what can negatively impact our relationship with food. I think too, whenever people are just labeling food. So if you're seeing people out there who are selling intuitive eating, but maybe using verbiage around good food and bad food or telling you like one very specific pigeonholed way to eat, that's a really big red flag because we're all so different. So, you know, one one way of eating isn't going to work for everyone. Like we can have general recommendations like Sam does with PCOS, but like even that not, I'm sure what she says for one person isn't universal for hundred percent of clients. So anyone who's selling like a meal plan or a program that's like, everyone do this, mm -hmm. eat this at this time and that time and eat the same thing for X meals. Like that's a big red flag. Yeah. Those are the biggest ones. I think you hit all of them that I was thinking of too. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, in closing out this episode, I wanted to circle back around to the idea of intuitive eating with medical conditions. You mentioned your IBS and how intuitive eating might look a little different. What would you say to any listener that's like, I, I think this sounds great, but I don't think this is possible with a medical condition like PCOS. What advice would you have for them? Wow, that's a really good question. I'm going to borrow. I don't know if I want to call steel. <laughs> <laughs> I had a client on my podcast, a past client on my podcast earlier today, Haley. So I'm not taking credit for this. This is what she said. And I was like, that is so good. If you can put yourself through crazy diets with a medical condition, <laughs> like keto or something incredibly restrictive where you're basically starving yourself or just think about all of the diet culture things you've done with a medical condition. If you can do that, I believe you have the strength to try something new <laughs> and explore intuitive eating because it will be much safer, much healthier for you. And I think if you can go through all of that crazy diet stuff, you are capable of so much more than you're giving yourself credit for. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> when she said that, I was like, this is really good. <laughs> that is so good. Oh my gosh. I think that's a really great thought to close out this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you, Haley. Didn't come up with it. <laughs> thank you, Haley. Thank you, Bonnie, also for being here today. Can you tell everyone where they can find you? Do you have anything exciting coming up that you would like to share with everyone? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram. That's where I hang out the most at Diet Culture Rebel. There are periods between each word. I also have a podcast called the Diet Culture Rebel Podcast. So you can find me there. I run group coaching cohorts a couple times a year. So as long as you find me on social media, you'll be able to get information about that. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Sam. I'm so excited for everyone to hear this episode when it comes out. And I hope you have an awesome day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to the Nourished with PCOS podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe so you can catch new episodes. I'd also be so grateful if you left a review and rating for the pod as well. See you next Wednesday.